All right, we are going to get started. And I have prizes to give away. So if you would like a prize, which could consist of chocolate or a glider, there's a water gun. What? Oh, yeah, there's some good prizes here. This is for young and old. Come on, everyone. Two rules. You can't use your device to find the answer. Sorry. And the younger one will always get... Yes, it is ageism. Okay, so... Are we ready? Riddle me this. Oh, and there's one, two, three, I think a 10 or 11, I don't know, something like that. Okay, riddle me this. First one, Jared. What can you catch but you cannot throw? You are the first person I heard say that, Tammy. Come, please. Yes, take your... All right, riddle me this, number two. Okay, hold on. You, gotta, you either got to like jump up and down or... And they will kind of get harder as we go along, I think. Okay, what goes up but it never comes down? Boom! Your age. Nicely done. Okay. Riddle me this, Jared. Where does Friday come before Thursday? Who said that? Right there. Come on up. Get a prize. Imagine that. The chocolate is going ahead of the stickers and stuff. Hmm. I have a personal favorite still there. Uh, okay. Oh, that was my personal favorite. <sighs> okay. What holds water even though it's full of holes? Sponge. Bang. Yes. Come on up. Okay. A sponge. You, you can pick one of whatever you like. Okay. Riddle me this. What belongs to you, but others use it more than you? Yes, who said name? Someone over here. I don't... Half the... Someone over in this area said. Larry, come on. I knew it was somewhere over here. You could be the nice guy and give it away. Okay. Oh, now he wants it. Now he wants it. No, Okay, there's one stipulation. You can't go to the washroom and fill that until after we're done. Oh, coffee. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, this one is courtesy. Oh, it's up there already. Jared, you're preempting me. Yes, Lindsay. Come. What gets more wet the more it dries? A towel, but Lindsay already said it. Sorry. Oh, Kit Kat. Okay, this next one could have more than one answer, so I'm open to more than one answer, but here we go. What question can you never honestly answer yes to? <laughs> I'm not even going to repeat that. <laughs> what someone said? Are you blind? No, that... Oh, are you lying? Yeah. <laughs> no. Yes. Are you sleeping or are you dead? That would also qualify. Okay. Next one. Cowboy rides into town on Friday, stays for three days, leaves on Friday. Uh, but the first person to put up their hand was Mr. Cottrell in the back. What's... what's Yes, the horse's name is Friday. Okay. Okay, this one we're going to switch gears a little bit. You need to, I'll give you one hint up front. You need to think uh, more Bible-ish for this. All right, here we go. Jared, you can carry me, but you can't touch me. Everyone wants to see me, but I'm out of sight. I once was lost, then I was found, but now I'm lost. Ooh, I heard it. The Ark of the... Tyler! Come on up, the Ark of the Covenant. 
No, I did not stipulate one prize per family, so. Oh, yeah, take the glider. Yes. Okay. Caramel and Smarties left to tide you over. But first, we will pause and ask you to turn with me to 1 Kings chapter 10 in your Bibles. And we're going to read verses 1 to 13. It says, When the queen of Sheba heard of Solomon's fame, which brought honor to the name of the Lord, she came to test him with hard questions, riddles. She arrived in Jerusalem with a large group of attendants and a great caravan of camels loaded with spices, large quantities of gold, and precious jewels. And yes, those are in order of the most costly. Spices was more costly than large quantities of gold. When she met with Solomon, she talked with him about everything she had on her mind. Solomon had answers for all her questions. Nothing was too hard for the king to explain to her. When the queen of Sheba realized how very wise Solomon was, and when she saw the palace he built, she was overwhelmed. Next slide. She was also amazed at the food on his tables, the organization of his officials, and their splendid clothing, the cupbearers and the burnt offerings that Solomon made at the temple of the Lord. And she exclaimed to the king, everything I heard in my country about your achievements and wisdom is true. I didn't believe what was said until I arrived here and saw it with my own eyes. In fact, I had not heard the half of it. Your wisdom and prosperity are far beyond what I was told. How happy your people must be. What a privilege for your officials to stand here day after day listening to your wisdom. Praise the Lord your God, she said, who delights in you and has placed you on the throne of Israel. Because of the Lord's eternal love for Israel, he has made you king so you can rule with justice and righteousness, which are companions of wisdom, along with things like love and humility. And then she gave the king a gift of 9,000 pounds of gold, great quantities of spices, and precious jewels. Never again were so many spices brought in as the the queen of Sheba gave to the king of Solomon. Then we get a little uh, editorial note here. In addition, Hiram's, who's a different person, He's the guy who got, remember, uh, the towns up in the northern part of, uh, of Israel. Hiram's ships brought gold from Ophir, and they also brought rich cargoes of red sandalwood and precious jewels. One more slide, Jared. The king used the sandalwood to make railings for the temple of the Lord and the royal palace and to construct lyres and harps for the musicians. Never before or since has there been such a supply of sandalwood. Now back to the queen of Sheba. King Solomon gave the queen of Sheba whatever she asked for besides all the customary gifts that he had so generously given to her when they first met. And then she and all her attendants returned to their own land. In verse 1 of that, we read that the queen of Sheba came to Solomon to ask some hard questions. Let's do a quick geography lesson. I'll put a map up so you can see where she came from. The kingdom of Sheba is uh, was in what we would now commonly call Yemen, sort of the north part of Yemen. Uh, And so you can see that she would have uh, traveled up the Red Sea and then up there to Israel. Now, if if a queen of a relatively wealthy kingdom, because of her proximity for trade with India and Africa, and then, of course, accessing to go up to uh, the Mediterranean, uh, Sheba, or what we now know as Yemen, very strategically located, she would have been... Uh, very well off in terms of her kingdom. So I think it's safe to assume that if she felt that she had a need that she couldn't supply herself or that others who were constantly coming through her ports of trade couldn't answer, that she was willing to make this journey up to Israel to uh, talk to King Solomon, travel that distance, you can assume that her issues had to have been pressing. I don't think she would have made the journey just to ask King Solomon what gets wetter the more it dries. She probably had questions about life and about her kingdom and her people. Now, the text doesn't tell us what the questions were, 
But if you read uh, Jewish tradition, if you read the Midrash, um, and there's actually some other traditions, Ethiopian tradition as well, uh, they do uh, later on attribute riddle, uh, questions, life questions, or, or what we might call riddles, to the Queen of Sheba. And I'm going to pose two of them for you. One will get you a caramel, one will give you Smarties. Here we go. This, according to Jewish tradition, is one of the questions that she asked King Solomon. What two women could say to their sons, your father is my father, your grandfather is my husband, you are my son, and I am your sister? I can't hear you. It is in the Bible. Eve and Mary? Ooh, that's not who I, that's not who King Solomon would have said. But it is in the, found in the book of Genesis. The two women are sisters. Who are? Yes. Lot's daughters. Come on up. You're staring at me, Miriam. Yeah. <laughs> Lot's daughters. Do you remember the story? It's not a very, uh, come on up. Who, the Queen of Sheba? Yeah. Please, pick. So, you remember Lot's daughters? They went and they slept with their father so that they could each have a child so that they could carry on the family name, which was of significant uh, that time. So then you can figure out if... You can, anyways, it's that. <laughs> okay? Okay, here's apparently one of the other ones that the Queen of Sheba uh, said to the, ask the King of Solomon. Who am I? I was dead, yet alive and praying in my moving grave. Old Testament, come on, Jonah, yes, Jonah. Logic says, according to the story in 1 Kings chapter 10, that Solomon rightly answered the Queen of Sheba's riddles and entrusted himself to her according to the wisdom that God gave him. And as a result, it says that she then spoke to King Solomon everything that was on her mind. Verse 2, her life questions. In a few moments, I'm going to give you the opportunity to play the role of Queen of Sheba. In a few moments after we peel back a couple more layers of this story, I'm going to ask you what's on your mind. I want you to be thinking about a question, a person, a circumstance, a situation in your life, or it could be in the life of Jericho for us corporately, and I want you to fill in the blank, I really need wisdom for in fact, I want us to pray a little prayer as we do that. And I'm going to leave this up here. Jared, can we go to the next slide as well? Next one. Please pray this prayer. Holy Spirit, impress upon me a, a relationship, a circumstance, or a situation in my life for which I need your wisdom. As you're processing that prayer as I speak, let's go back to the Queen of Sheba. So the Queen of Sheba meets King Solomon. She asks him a bunch of riddles. He gets the questions right. And she begins to have a deeper conversation. And... Uh, 
they start talking about life's issues. Then they thank God for the answers, they exchange gifts, and the Queen of Sheba heads back home. What do you think Queen of Sheba did when she returned back to the kingdom of Sheba? I have to assume, and I'm assuming that you're assuming, so let's assume together, that she probably told everybody around her the things that the king of Israel had conveyed to her. She had gone up with pressing questions, and if she was wise, she would not only tell people what the king had said to her, but she would begin to put that into practice as well. And if she were to have done that, then we can assume, rightly so, that her life, the lives of the people around her, and her kingdom would become transformed in some way. Scripture hints that justice and righteousness accompany wisdom. And so if she accepted God's wisdom and put it into action, chances are there was justice and righteousness that would flow from her throne throughout the kingdom of Sheba. So the question for us is this, according to the story. What happened between God, Solomon, and the Queen of Sheba? And was what happened between them just for back then? Or is that something that could or should be happening today in our context as well? It says Solomon's wisdom from God was so attractive that a world leader, at great expense to herself, how, how many million was that in gold? Oh, there we go. Between 210 million and 2 billion and gold. And commentaries are very quick to point out that the spices she brought were worth more than the gold. Great expense to get that access to that wisdom. So church, when's the last time someone came to us? When's the last time someone came to you? Because your wisdom was that attractive. Does our community, do our friends and our families, do we want that kind of wisdom? Do we need it today? Or is Google sufficient? And if people today still want that wisdom... Does our theology and our interpretation of Scripture say it's possible? I would say yes. But what does our practice say? I think our practice, and I'll step out on a limb, probably says, I'm not so sure. You see, we have this wonderful story that most of us will read through very clear lenses of that was for them. What a nice story about Solomon and the Queen of Sheba. Can't relate. I'm not a king. I'm not a queen. I don't have a kingdom. Da 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 da. It was just an Old Testament story. I expect they'll teach it in Sunday school, kids at the ridge, somewhere along the way. Let's go have lunch. The problem isn't that we or others don't want access to such wisdom that will bring about just and right living. And, as we read in, this, in the passage, praise to the Lord. The problem is that people out there and people in here don't believe it's possible. There is a lack of belief in God and there is a lack of practice in our church, Big C, like not just Jericho Ridge, but we're the church here. In terms of us accessing and practicing that kind of wisdom. One of the reasons that people are not flocking to Jericho Ridge 
for wisdom is because they don't believe it. And I think if we're honest with ourselves because we don't practice it in a way that is so attractive that they will go to great lengths to come and ask for God's wisdom in their lives. The Queen of Sheba, it says, was overwhelmed and amazed by Solomon's practice of wisdom. It was even greater than the reports. So friends, this is our sixth week teaching on wisdom. And a week or two ago, Ron, who's our moderator sitting over there in a different context, reminded me of the saying in business that those who can do and those who can't teach. So I stand up here and teach. But I ask the question when it comes to wisdom, can we? What do we know? What have we learned about wisdom in our six weeks? Well, we start off saying it's a blueprint for living, which implies that wisdom is there to change lives, right? Jared, I'm going to run through all of these. They're going to come up on the screen. And then we started off saying that we know this about wisdom. Past actions have future consequences. And we probed into the whole transfer of kingship from David to Solomon. Then we went and we learned that God is the source, the free source, and the generous provider of wisdom. It's there, and he gives it to us when we ask for it. Then we learned that in order to get wisdom, we need to listen attentively, ask persistently, and live ethically. We learned that sacred space is everywhere the divine and the human meet, and if we want to extrapolate that, recognizing that God is the source of wisdom, so everywhere God is, there's wisdom, and everywhere we interact with God, wisdom is available. So not only is sacred space everywhere where the human and the divine meet, but wisdom is also available every time and everywhere that the human and the divine meet. And this is going to act as our building block for today. Today, we are not so much going to learn as we're going to practice. Practicing wisdom really boils down to two things. You ask and you act. Now, that can be a uh, recipe for not wisdom as well. But I think if we do it in the appropriate context, and I think if we do it prayerfully, and I think if we break down the ask and the act, I think that when it comes to wisdom, we can do it. When it comes to wisdom, we need to start horizontally. We need to talk with God. We need to listen. And I mean listen. That may mean turning the radio off, even if it's on Praise 106.5. And when you hear from God, and some of you are skeptical, do, can you hear from God? Yeah, you can hear from God. In fact, I have heard audible voices that I'm convinced other people, had they been around me, would have heard as well. It hasn't happened often. Most of the time I hear it in my head, but there have been instances where I have looked and thought, okay, where are you? Because that was over like a microphone. So God does speak to us. We need to become attuned and untune the other voices of the world so that we can hear that. And then we need to confirm because we're not perfect. And there are times where I believe I have heard and not double-checked and realized in hindsight, oh, no, 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 no. That was my desire. That was my wisdom. That was my hope. And then we need to thank the Lord. The Queen of Sheba and Solomon thanked God. And then we go to act. And this is where we go horizontal and we engage others. Wisdom for others. You need to speak it out. Some of us have a fear of that. What if I'm not right? What if what I say is crazy? What if, okay, we need to get past that. We do it in love. 
It's never for my benefit or for my exaltation, whatever it might be. I do it out of love for that person. And I trust. I trust that I'm the messenger. God will take care of the rest. That, it's not up to me whether that person accepts it, enacts it, puts it into practice, uh, whatever. I, I step back and I trust. God, you, you asked me to provide this. I, now it's up to you. The only other thing I can do is follow up with that person and say, hey, have you put it into practice? Like, is it changing your life? What, you know, like, we can have that kind of a relationship. So earlier we prayed in faith, that prayer right there. And this is where it gets scary good. Scary if you're the preacher up here, but I think hopefully, and I trust, very good. And this is where we get to practice as a community. Welcome here, by the way, if you're a visitor. Some of you I don't, I don't know, and you may not even be a visitor. I just haven't gotten around to meeting everybody. I welcome you into the presence of the God who says, ask for my wisdom, and I will give it to you freely. And some of you have come this morning, and God has been prompting you even before we read that little prayer, that you need wisdom. And others in this community, God is going to use you to provide wisdom. Some of you may have the gift of wisdom, and that's a beautiful thing. But wisdom's not limited just to those who have gifts. Wisdom is not limited to those uh, of a certain age. You may be 10 years old sitting here, and God can impart wisdom to you for someone who is 60 years old sitting here, or vice versa. Wisdom is not constrained to those who are elders in the church, although it is a qualification. And we do take that seriously. But if we believe and don't just want to teach, then I'm going to ask somebody to step out in faith. And you don't have to come up front. I'll come to you. Yeah, Brad's got a little mic there. Uh, even if talking into the mic where you're sitting, you can tell me and I can convey it or somebody else. And then I want us to go through some of these steps. And trust that the Lord's going to provide you with wisdom. Is there anybody who has a need for which they're sensing the Spirit say, I need wisdom? I don't have a particular need for wisdom in anything particular. All I want to just is confirming what you're saying is that God does provide wisdom when you need it. Mm -hmm. I'm a little bit of an older guy who has seen a few things, and it does work. Okay. Thanks, Al. And you guys in the back... You guys are more than well. I mean, I want you involved. So if you've got something that you're like, I need wisdom, please. Or if the Lord provides you with the wisdom, please speak. Gary. Uh, there's no one particular one because it's wisdom, I sense, is uh, something I need in so many areas of my life. Mostly the relationships within family and those that are involved in the ministry and those involved in relationships I have. Um, nothing is the same, but all requires the same kind of uh, mm -hmm. uh, same need. Yeah. And uh, for me, I, I sense it's uh, a, a life of being saturated with the word of God and asking questions 
and being instructed by living out obedience. Sounds like I'm re rehearsing some of the stuff already up there. Mm -hmm. But it's, it's just not sort of parallel and somewhat independent of that. Uh, God uses, uh, puts slots that he's already given yep. into the situation. And that's my sense of it. Yeah, wisdom is absolutely, friends, something that as we practice, we get better and more comfortable at, and it becomes second nature so that we can do wisdom on the fly. We're in a situation, something happens, Lord, what do I do? And you're thinking it in your head, and you're hearing, and you're the prompting, and, it, and right now we've, we're in an isolated situation where we're picking something, but I'm wanting to do this practice of it so that those of us who are skeptical, so that those of us who are unsure if this stuff really works can actually get a glimpse that it does work. And if you do practice it and you do ask in every situation that you're in, you don't need to be here on a Sunday morning to be doing this, but I want you to get a sense that yes, it works. Um, so hard for Daryl and I. Um, we really need wisdom for our um, ministry in Mazatlan, but also just our our own home businesses and our ministry. And God has just been asking us to just put that out there because it's so much bigger than us. So I'll share a little bit. Uh, of what I know, and you guys jump in, Daryl, if you guys want to jump in. So for those of you who don't know, Daryl and, and Jody uh, and Emily and Ben uh, head down every year to Mazatlan and work with Vineyard, what's it called? Vineyard Ministries Central Mexico. Yeah, Vineyard Ministries Central Mexico, the yellow buildings in, in Mexico. Uh, and they, and they uh, so they are um, uh, <laughs> part-time here, part-time there. They have a house here, they rent one down there when they go, uh, all those kinds of things. Um, they leave their businesses, the kids leave school, and they go, and they go sometimes for three months, six months. It... Yep. Um, and that's very different, and they need to raise funds and all that. Am I missing any of the big strokes? So what do they do? That's what she's asking. I assume you guys are getting ready to go in the fall, winter. In the winter, uh, you heard Daryl a couple weeks ago inviting if anybody wanted to come and join them in February. Uh, they would be facilitating that as well. Um, but it's not as clear cut as, say, the McCarthys, who we just sent off to Papua New Guinea, who had to raise funds. They know that they're going to be there for X amount of time. They know where they're going. They s sell everything here, uh, transition, and then they trans. This is on the fly and on the go. And so uh, you're asking for wisdom. What do you do with your businesses? You're both self-employed. How do you raise funds? And what does that look like? Because you're sensing that God is saying this is not just a one-off. You're, you're going to be doing this on a continual basis. Okay. Jericho? Do you, have an, are, do you want to speak into this or do you have another... As you know, Muriel and I are both retired. We're very happy as a couple, and we have a lovely little place we, we stay in. Um, we're comfortable, and the comfort scares me, because you're never out of ministry, no matter what age you are. I, I don't happen to have a church now. I'm free, but I'm, in being comfortable, I'm a little concerned. I want to do some growing in the Lord, and I haven't really known the answer to that. God's answer for me now, but I got it the other day, fasting. Sandy, you're going to make some breakthroughs when you do some fasting. And I'll show you how, and I'm not going to go extreme on it, but I'm going to start doing that because I think that's an answer for me. Okay. And it came just the other day. I was reading a tract, and the tract was loud and clear. That's going to be an answer for you. Okay. And so you are submitting that as... I'm submitting that, and now I have to act. Got to act on that. Yeah. Act wisely. Yeah. Jared, can we go to this screen, the, the one with the act? Ask and act. 
So we need to pause. And uh, we need to um, talk with God. And we need to listen. And we need to confirm with Him and thank Him. And then we'll have an open up time to speak. Um, what you hear from God may be a word of Scripture. It may not make sense to you, but if it is from the Lord for Daryl and Jody, then it will make sense to them. Uh, or it will come to light in days to come. And so, again, remember that your ways are not his ways. Your wisdom is not his wisdom. One thing I can confirm is that fasting is from the scriptures. And there is a long, long proven history between God and humans that as we fast and push out the things of this life and focus in on God in fasting and prayer, he imparts wisdom and guidance. So I'm going to stop talking and uh, we're just going to take a few minutes. And uh, yeah, Lord, would you grant us wisdom for Daryl and Jody, for Emily and Ben. Father, you know their hearts. You know the call that you have placed on their lives. And you know that it doesn't make sense to some of us even. Um, and it probably would make more sense if you just called them there full time or called them here full time. But you have not done that. And so we pray for wisdom, Lord. Lord, what would you say to them that would help facilitate their calling? If the Lord is speaking to you to speak to the Beckert, I just invite you to put your hand up. Pastor Brad will bring the mic over, or you can just go over to them. Um, I have a question for you guys, and I just feel placed on my heart. Is is it finances that are keeping you from doing it, going fully there, or is it a desire to do both? Is, or do you have a desire to work at your regular jobs, or do you feel the need to fund your ministry through your regular job? I don't, neither of us have to do what we're doing. Like our, my identity isn't wrapped up in being a, being a photographer. No, so. So far, yes, because it's weird and messy and not easy. Yeah, it is. There's, there I wouldn't work. I would, no, I would, I would do the work that I would do for people that would hire me, I would do and, and give away. So I would do the same thing, but for different reasons. So working as a means to an end more than anything. So one of the things that we find in the process of practicing wisdom is that a good starting place is often common sense. You'll remember Pastor Mike spoke on common sense and wisdom several weeks ago. And so there are, uh, God has given us common sense. So I think part of what I'm sensing is Sylvia's question might be rooted uh, in, in that starting place, saying, guys, are, are you making this more difficult than what God is intending? It, has he called you to be in Mazatlan full time? Uh, and if so, then common sense would say, go. But we're, I'm hearing and you guys saying, you're both shaking your head saying no, that right now he has called you into the messy chaotic, live here, serve there, okay? You're not the only one. I'm sitting right across uh, <laughs> from somebody else who is living here and serving way over there in Tanzania. So it's not unprecedented, but it's a good place to stop. Sometimes we rush ahead of God 
and we don't even start with things like common sense. And then, other times, we often find that common sense is not his answer, and it makes no sense until later. Uh, yeah, Peter. Because of what you just said, I was thinking as well that uh, one of the things that we've encountered is that sometimes you can actually achieve more by not being there all the time, oddly enough. The traditional Christian view of mission is, you know, uh, traditionally how we've always understood it is we pack up our things and we go away for five years or whatever, which is works for some people, and that's what God calls. But in our work, the wisdom we've gathered is that a lot gets done because I'm not there. That wouldn't get done if I was. And it sounds strange at first, but I've understood my role to be resourcing and training uh, our staff, the local leaders, the local people, whether it be, you know, the various people we work with. So there's a pressure on them in a sense to carry on. And I view my role as to go in and train them, resource them, encourage them, support them. There's some unique things I bring to the table when I show up. And then I go home and I spread the word about what's going on there to people here who wouldn't know about it otherwise if I was over there for a long period of time. So sometimes uh, things are achieved differently and better. So it might be that your ambiguity is coming from the fact that is your role a doer to be there just doing this work hands-on all the time? Or is it your role to be a trainer and a resourcer to A, bring more people from over here through your constant interaction, and B, to focus your ministry more specifically while you're there at multiplying your effectiveness through local leadership development? And that could be the reason you feel the ambiguity, perhaps. Larry, um, before Larry goes, um, have you guys got together and had, okay, so you guys, I'm sensing, probably can chat further. Larry? So, um, I guess in terms of, of full disclosure, I would quite happily put myself down as a skeptic um, and hope that there's room for that in the <laughs> community. Um, having said that, I also really believe in, um, or I try, to be um, honest and submissive to what I sense. And so when I re started to reflect on this, um, what came to me was pulling back a little bit from um, Daryl and Jody's question, but thinking about, okay, when you've got a couple that are looking for wisdom or for perhaps direction or something, in a community such as this, or you know, how might that look? And I thought, well, wouldn't it be, and, and like I'm one of these older guys that have a little bit of mileage, maybe too much, um, and really understand, I think I really understand how hard it is for us to be fully transparent and, and open sometimes. So what if, if a couple that are looking at making life-altering changes and all of that, if they would, well, actually, a background thing would be, like, it's really hard for me to try to give anybody any kind of advice, and advice unless I have a full, clear picture. So I thought, well, what if that couple would bring some people around them and open up their finances, open up their marriage, open up, you know, their past, and just be willing to really listen to those people, right? If they do this in a fully transparent way. I thought, well, maybe if I had done that years and years ago, I would have maybe chosen a different one of the, you know, like I felt I was being led for some into ministry or whatever, and maybe if I had, a, had that kind of a discerning group around me, if I had been brave enough to open that up or whatever, you know, like, that might have been a way of, of making some de better decisions. Like that's very, very practical. It's not about waiting for God to give me an answer that is going to just make me feel good. But I guess within the Christian community, I, it seems to me that we, we are we going to really show our finances and let people look at how our marriages run, you know, really, you know, when we're going to try to make some of these big things, you know. And again, I, I'm pulling myself away from Daryl and Jody because yep. I don't know what's going on in their lives, really. Yep. There we go. A and you bring a, another great aspect of wisdom, and I think it's something that's pervading in our conversation, that there are times where you say, Lord, I need wisdom for this, and he goes, zap, 
and it's like, okay, you know, and it's unquestionable. Or you've been praying and somebody, you know, knocks on your door in whatever capacity that looks like and says, I don't know why, but I'm supposed to say ABC. And you go, oh, Lord, wisdom, thank you. Then there are other times, and, and uh, uh, Pastor Brad talked about this uh, last time as well, that we need to ask persistently, live ethically, listen attentively, and sometimes, often times, that has to happen in community over time. And so one of the things I'm hearing is that um, you guys need more intentionality in your lives from within this community. I think we have some obvious people to connect with, Peter and Debbie. Um, but I think there's others as well, and I think there are some who have been hearing things from the Lord that will come and still speak with you guys. Um, I think it's a good word, Larry. I think it's a call for others. I'm much like you. I have a hard time if I don't have a, a big picture and the Lord has to really bonk me over the head or strike me with lightning um, so that I can see <laughs> clearly. Um, otherwise, I tend to be the kind who needs to have a big picture. And so for me to help you guys, I will venture out and be obedient and our family will come with you guys in February. Something that I'll confirm with my wife afterward. <laughs> but I already know I don't need to because God's already been telling me and I've been resisting. And now I'm starting to understand that to help you guys, I need to be on the ground with you guys. So that's where we'll be in February. And there may be others. I don't know. Is anybody, it's, I know it's getting late. I know that some of you have kids to pick up, and I want to be conscious of the uh, people upstairs uh, so that they're not pulling their hair out. Deb. And if you do have kids and you're feeling like you need to go get them, please. For me, as I was praying, it was a, um, a phrase that is from a song, and I can't even think of the song. But it's, may the words of my mouth and the med meditations of my heart be pleasing to you. And and then in the conversation, that whole thing about confirmation, right? Everybody's saying, oh, it's messy, it's hard, it's weird, it doesn't look the way that it's supposed to. But our job isn't to do things that look the way that this world wants them to look. Our job is to do things that are pleasing to God. And so um, that is, um, there's that tension always of, people go, oh, what are you doing? Why are you doing that? But if the goal is to be pleasing to God, then we are in the right place when we are um, using our words and our actions to please him, not this world and this society that we live in. Let's gather around them and pray. Thank you for stepping out and sharing. Thank you for listening to the Spirit and being obedient, that's often a hard, hard part to express that I have a need. And uh, so we have to get out of our comfort zones for that. And then sometimes for others of us, the hard part is, oh, God has given me something to say, and now i got to go speak it. And we got to get out of our comfort zone and do that. And so some of you have felt uh, prompting, and some of you, wisdom may still come for Daryl and Jody in days ahead. And uh, I just encourage you to uh, touch base with them. Uh, it may still come today, as we're wrapping up today. Um, but uh, please speak into their lives. And uh, Constance, thank you. Please pray for us. Pray for them. Father, we just want to pray for Jody and Daryl and the family. Father, we ask for your wisdom. We ask for your discernment. And I pray for your Holy Spirit to be upon them, that your blood of Jesus Christ will cover them. Father, we, we need your clarity, and we need to know what you uh, want for them in your directions, where they should go, and uh, what they should do. And so we want to submit that to you, and we trust in faith that you will show it to them or to some of us. So we pray that um, we'll be willing to uh, step up to help them, and as well as that they'll be willing 
to hear what you say. And may, maybe the direction might be different than what they thought it would be. I pray for openness. And I pray that they will be open to receive whatever that you have shown them um, and what the end result that you want them to see. So I pray that, that you will be guiding them and I pray that they're able to lay down everything that is um, their, their burden, whatever that they is holding on, that they're able to let it down and then lay it at your feet. And to trust that God, you will show them. Sometimes uh, we are so anxious about everything that is going on that we want to take it all back and we want to uh, do it on our own way. But we just want to ask that we are able to uh, lay it down at your feet and say that God show us and take us and lead us in the way that you want to be. So we pray that you are uh, protection over them and I pray that uh, peace, I pray for uh, your love to really overwhelm them and hold them tight, Lord. And we thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. So friends, this is the practice of wisdom. This is what, if the world out there can know and see in practice, will be so attractive that they too will one day want to sit and say, God, would you give me wisdom? Or they may knock on your door one day as a neighbor. Or they may ask a tough question at school. Whatever, I don't know. But I hope you got a taste. Because for me, this is so rich. Why would I not want someone else to experience it? Why would I not want my community to know that there is a God of abundant wisdom who wants, is longing to impart it, and he often does it through his people. That's us. Go out there and be conduits. Pick up the role of King Solomon and be willing to humbly ask the God who freely and generously gives wisdom for that wisdom for those that you know and walk with in your day-to-day -day life. And this will be the result, and I think it's the result for us today. Same as uh, Queen of Sheba, how happy your people must be. What a privilege your people have, listening to your wisdom. And then, praise the Lord your God. Praise the Lord your God. When we practice wisdom, it ends in the praises of our God. And so I'm going to send you out this uh, afternoon with that. Uh, we'll, we won't sing and do all the other stuff that we normally do at the end. Um, Jericho Ridge, that's the Beckerts. Beckerts, Jericho Ridge. You guys know each other, but now you know each other even more. And if you have something to speak with them, please do it. And give praise to God as a result. And uh, consider joining us in Mexico in February. Whatever that might look like, I'm not sure. But we'll find out. So thank you. Uh, if you have kids to pick up, uh, you can apologize to the kids at the Ridge staff on my behalf. Blame it on me. I'll take that. And uh, we will see you back next week. Hopefully we'll see you during the week as well. Go in wisdom. <laughs>